0: Previously on Tetonia World Presents.
1: I think there is still a lot of value to having really good reporters um, who are willing to do the work and willing to put in the time to like write really well-written stories. I don't subscribe to the Journal Sentinel, but I, I don't think there's like sterling bucks coverage coming out of there right now. I, I don't get the sense that anyone wants to read a thousand-word piece on like phenostasis, effectiveness as a role player. And I was like, we can do better than this. We gotta do better than this. Were we too cynical? Were we too nihilistic about covering the team? Like, oh, Zaza Pachulia had 18 offensive rebounds. I always tried to get better and better at it and learn more and read more and read more more varied writers. Someone bought the domain it's like up for sale for like $4,000 or something like that. That would actually maybe make for a better podcast. We have to go one extreme or the other. You have to either be really informed or super uninformed. I don't think it's interesting if you're somewhere in the middle. It's boring now because they win every game in the same way and it was sometimes boring then because they lost every game in the same way. Last thing in the world, the last duty that they wanted to carry out in their contract was talking to you after a game. I remember a long interview I had with Kelvin Sampson about why Brandon Jennings was gonna get better. I felt like I had to have a take or some snide remark on Twitter about like everything. Brandon Jennings and is a backcourt, everyone knew that wasn't going to work. I didn't really love the optics of the whole thing, not because I thought it was bad to take out a billboard about your team or whatever and try and embarrass them. I mean, maybe it was all in our own heads and we thought we had all these people reading it, but um, it feels like those have just kind of faded away. I just like, I don't like the trade-offs that are required. The website ran its course and it was just time to shut it. Take the shot, you know, put the time in and you know, try and do it right.
0: The Oakland Raiders of the 1970s broke every rule they could, on and off the field, sometimes for no reason. They were successful and corrupt, and fans living outside the Bay Area hated what they represented. But nobody hates the 70s Raiders now. In fact, we long for those teams, nostalgic for the era when their sublime villainy could thrive. It's widely assumed Red Auerbach bugged the opponent's locker room when he coached the Celtics an illicit subterfuge retrospectively reimagined as clever and industrious. When former Tar Heels basketball player Buzz Peterson talks about the greatness of his college roommate Michael Jordan, he sometimes recounts a story of the evening Jordan tried to cheat Peterson's mother in a card game, an anecdote employed to reinforce how MJ was so supernaturally competitive that even middle-aged women got sliced. The defining memory of Kansas City Royals legend George Brett involves the illegal use of pine tar on his bat, an unambiguous infraction that was ultimately reversed on appeal, just like Brady's suspension. I'm the pine tar guy, Brett would say years later, and it's not a bad thing to be remembered as. In the present, we overvalue the rules of sport and insist that anyone caught breaking those parameters must be stopped, sanctioned, and banned. But, as the decades slip away, such responses tend to invert. Who won and who lost matters less than the visage of the experience. As long as nobody got hurt and nobody took drugs and nothing was fixed by gamblers, a little deception almost becomes charming. A deficiency of character adds character, somehow. It proves that the cheater cared. The Patriots are the Raiders of now, despite the fact that the Raiders still exist. They push the limits of everything, and that's how they dominate. Sometimes that limit pushing is lawful and brilliant. When Belichick placed seven eligible receivers on the field against the Ravens in last season's divisional playoff, it was a stroke of strategic genius. Sometimes that limit pushing is perhaps significantly less than totally legal, but it's all philosophically essential to what makes them who they are. They don't need to cheat in order to win, but it certainly doesn't hurt. I mean... How do rich people stay rich? By avoiding all the taxes specifically designed for rich people. How does a football franchise sustain a dynasty within an NFL system designed to instill parity? By attacking the boundaries of every rule in that system at every level of the organization. And in both cases, the perception of those actions does not matter to the individuals involved. Perception is other people's problem. Brady does not hide from this. I don't really care how the Patriots are perceived. I really don't. There is nothing more attractive than a person who does not care if other people find him attractive. These are all just games. Within the grand scheme of existence, they have no intrinsic value. A game can matter only as much as the involved players believe it to matter. This is why no one watches the Pro Bowl. It's also what makes Brady different from normal people, and from other quarterbacks. He will do whatever it takes to win, regardless of what that win represents. He is by definition a winner, which is what everyone has always said about him. We always knew this. He is precisely the man society demands him to be. It's just that society doesn't like to think about what that means in practice. Before I asked Brady about Deflategate, I asked him about playing golf with Donald Trump. He explained how this is an amazing experience, and how you never really know what the actual score is, and that there's always some sort of side bet, and that Trump always goes home with the money. I ask him if this means Trump cheats, as it's hard to imagine how someone could always win, particularly since Golf Digest estimates Brady's handicap as an 8. Nah, says Brady, "He he just doesn't lose. He just doesn't lose. The scoreboard is the scoreboard is the scoreboard. Everything else is just like your opinion, man. So obviously, I considered leaving that last part out. It's from a November 18th, 2015 Chuck Klosterman GQ article, an interview with Brady. Um, that really more of a essay that Brady didn't really allow himself to be interviewed. But I thought about taking that Trump part out too because obviously obscure the message a little bit but actually it's it's kind of perfect in a lot of different levels and not a political podcast I haven't said that in a while but I, I thought that was um kind of an interesting uh footnote to that and so you can draw all sorts of conclusions about that so this typically isn't a Packers podcast I may depending on how scheduling works out uh do a little bit of a Super Bowl preview um but yeah man what can you say uh, winners winners keep right on winning and other people have excuses and I know a lot of people are, um, still kind of feeling a certain kind of way about the Packers game. I I stopped letting the Packers hurt me around 2007. Not that that makes me any better than anybody else, but yeah, no more, no more. Interestingly, I I got an alert on the YouTube page. People were like, Oh, um, you should update the misery supercut." It's like, yeah, I don't really think anybody wants that. I don't think anybody wants that. Um, I'm really gonna have a, I'm really gonna have a hard time picking against the Buccaneers in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl rather just just to be honest about that uh, I, I think yeah the, the the Chiefs the Chiefs could blow them out and obviously I mean you saw it in the Saints game you've seen all year like Tom already is 43 years old and you saw I mean some of the kind of the signature kind of far plays uh that of the limits of, of a 43-year-old playing outside in the cold. It's like, okay, so the corner's coming on the blitz. All right, now I have to throw this 50-50 ball. I, I hope my guy's there. And it was like three, and it, he made three. I hate even calling them far of plays because it really minimizes the greatness of still the greatest Packers quarterback I've ever seen. But, it, you know, okay, 50-50 ball. Right, here comes the blitz. It's third down. I can't take a sap. Here, here, here comes the coin flip. And Brady did that. But, you know, ultimately ultimately he kept winning and people want to talk about the penalties or whatever else i mean maybe we'll get into that actually you know what matter of fact matter of fact what we're going to do today um let's go to the like we had mailbag questions let's go to the mailbag first i think that's probably a better thing to do people send questions i never answer them or i get back to them three weeks later let's go to the mailbag let's go bit to the mailbag now dz at Dazman 98 um good follower, good supporter of the show, asks if Milwaukee is, or it's kind of a statement, he just asked what I thought about it, he says, if Milwaukee is smart, they fire Bud, sign one of Miami's assistants, and copy Miami's offense, replace Bam's role with Giannis, and Butler with Middleton, and then use the shooters around them to play off of them, watch how well they do, Miami has an elite half-court offense, um, thanks for your question, as always, it's, so obviously, I think the thing that we've seen um, early in the season, I'm still kind of 50-50 on a lot of this stuff, but is now going to change. Is he going to change too much? There's all kinds of talk. What's the talk? The talking points this week have to do with the dunker spot and all this kind of stuff. Um, I continue to kind of feel that Giannis is simply just always going to... I, I, I feel pretty confident saying that Giannis has an internal monologue that questions everything and he just is immune to saying the wrong thing he just won't say anything that that he processes as being negative like he just can't do it and so he's like oh this is great like whatever happens is like oh this is an opportunity to get better this is an opportunity to work on this to work on my free throws do this and that to try a different role it remains to be seen but we always said this season was about experimenting um perhaps Bud is overdoing it a smidge but I mean we'll just see right you can't just I mean we've said for three years you can't just switch I know I'm talking about defense but you can't just switch on the fly you have to actually learn this stuff I am generally confident look the Milwaukee Bucks aren't going to win anything the Milwaukee Bucks man dude I hate doing this again whatever I don't have to like save takes for the end James Harden is in the east it's a wrap Harton and Durant are together. We said this forever. We were trying to get Harton. Have not have done the Harton thing yet? I mean, we've said it this entire time. Giannis didn't want Harton. The Bucks didn't make a move for Harton. Now we're back to just basically hoping to like our team. And I kind of like this team. I even kind of like what Chris is doing, even though it's, it's pretty fraudulent. I like the role that he's played. Now, if you want to talk about Chris, I'm... Fully inching closer and closer to saying that this is just his level of effort that he's going to give the whole time. However, he owes me a championship because if he was doing this the last couple of years, like he didn't just figure out how to play basketball. I saw people talk about the ham. It's not the hamstring. It's not his hamstring isn't a five-year injury. Right. But all of a sudden he's playing like his first quarter effort level is off the charts. His jazz hands on defense and his fighting through screens and all this kind of stuff. Where was this in 2018? Where was this in 2018? Like I was talking, I remember I was making the uh, season recap video, and I was talking to—I don't think he mind me saying this—I was talking to Adam Robert Paris, and I was like, you know what? Because there's like there's like clips from some of these games in the beginning of 2018 where they're like, was he high? Was he? I think there's like how many beers did he have last night on whatever street or 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 Chris after Miami game or Chris Miami nightlife, all this kind of stuff. Like we all remember this stuff. Like he wasn't in shape, and he didn't especially care. He was punching the clock. He owes me a championship, but. Now that Harden is in the East, yeah, they might kill each other, but, but that's not really a game plan. Like maybe, maybe the Nets will implode. Well, we all know the Nets are going to implode. They they still got what? What is that? Three of the top twenty players, right? Two of the you could say two of the top three. It's it's like it's a wrap. It's a wrap. So, again, we're now in a much better place for Milwaukee fans where we're just like, hey, I want to love this team. And I kind of love this team, even Chris a little bit. I just want players who aren't quitters, cheaters, chokers, and people who don't try hard, right? I'm fine with Bobby Portis, right? It's really easy to love Bobby Portis. All this stuff is pretty cool. So, I just want to have a fun team. Like, it's not like, I mean, we talked so much the last couple of years about how this weird feeling of, like, this championship swagger that wasn't earned, and that the media was just setting us up for this failure the entire time. Well, we don't have that anymore. So I like this team. I like the bench. Like, again, be a fan any kind of way you want. This is not for Dazman ninety eight. This is just in general. This is how I feel about it. Be a fan any kind of one away. Any any kind of way you want to. This is like twenty twenty one basketball. If you want to ride the Brent Forbes uh, roller coaster and the DJ Augustin roller coaster, the DJ the DJ uh, thing is a little bit different just because he looks a step slow. And everything else. But, like, again, all these guys are going to kind of shoot a bunch of threes. You're going to be like, oh, man, I love Brent Forbes. Brent Forbes is going to win us, like, a big regular season game. Brent Forbes is going to win us a big playoff game. Like, he's another guy who can shoot. That's what we kept saying. We want to actual shooters, not fake Pat Conanton shooters. And I think we finally figured out that. And then, like, it was funny, too, because everybody wanted to dunk on Connaughton, and Connaughton started out great. Everybody would act like Dante shooting meant something. It doesn't mean anything. Like, none of this means anything. George Hill last year didn't mean anything. Only the really good shooters matter. But we got a few more really good shooters, and I'd like to see the rookies play a little bit more. But, you know, we'll see, and it's early. And if I wanted to be um, a little bit more bullish on DJ Augustin, it's kind of like the Jason Kidd thing about, like, veterans don't need to do it right away. But everybody's trying stuff. Like, DJ Augustin is used to a lot more usage, so he's going to have to figure out his kind of Iverson-style little man game has to, like, now fit with all these other guys. But I like the team. It's fun to root for a team, like, that tries hard and competes. And Drew Holiday makes everything go because Drew Holiday is, like, the coach on the floor. And, like, doesn't matter, like, the other game when he shoots bad. Like, he has the right mentality, right? And if he's missing all game, he's going to shoot at the end which is a lot more than we can say about some people, but even Chris... Oh, okay, we got to stop right now. Because, again, like, there's this weird thing because the protection level of Chris has been such that people don't want to admit when he's really... Like, he didn't take it... Like, his numbers are his numbers. I think I was looking somewhere. What is this? Like, the inflationary uh, nature of all these numbers is such that... I'm going to be off on this a little bit, but I thought it was, like, 17 players or 25 points a game or something like that, and it's, like, some years in the 90s, it was, like just McGrady or it was three people or six people like for years and years and years like 25 points a game is a real threshold and like it's it's getting blown out of the water by all this nonsense and so it's a bunch of really great players but you know you get free throws whenever you want and all this other kind of stuff that we already know about okay I decided to stop the pod and actually look at the players averaging 25 points a game or more currently Bradley Beal 35.4 points a game more on that later Durant 30 go right down the list Uh, so you got Beal Durant Lillard Embiid Steph Luca Jalen all at 27 Zach Levine at 27 Giannis a smidge under 27 CJ Tatum Trey Kawhi LeBron Jokic colin sexton all the way down to 25.2 so it's 16 players 25 points a game or not at 24.5 um jeremy grant 24.4 uh zion brandon ingram paul george now we're getting to 23.9 and again points per game doesn't matter oh look there's malcolm brogdon number 20 22.8 points a game interesting and middleton's down there not that this means anything but just there's a lot of people doing a lot of scoring and so that's when i want to make that interjection again speaking to the inflationary number of um of some of these numbers not necessary to slander chris in this instance and so it's weird to me i mean no disrespect to anybody but it's like people uh, are, are really conscious about retroactively propping this dude up like the Nets game, like, so so everybody was kind of disappointed because the Bucks lost to the Nets and the Lakers. And then it's like, okay, so it feels like we, paid, we, we played the Pistons a million times. We're still playing a lot of bad teams, obviously, especially coming off the Packers game. Nobody cared anything about the Hawks. Um, your mileage may vary on how much you care about the Raptors. When, although, and I, I never get to watch games on Wednesday night, so I, I saw a lot of highlights from that, including an interesting uh, kind of Dante dunk and – um <laughs> the Giannis, the Giannis calling Dante white chocolate thing and thinking he created that is kind of uh, kind of a, a, a funny thing um if Giannis didn't know that Jason Kidd was a hall of famer as his coach and one of the greatest passers of all time along with Magic Johnson Lowell. obviously he doesn't know who Jason Williams is he did th- just that oh yeah white chocolate that sounds like a great name and so that was kind of funny um what was I talking about yeah, so it's like so like there's kind of this idea whenever Chris has a good game and certainly he has a good stretch, and I actually do think he's probably turned a little bit of a corner than people always wanted. To, like all the um, Chris Middleton is good. People come out of the woodwork and have to pretend. Oh, yeah, he's always been this guy. He's so underrated, bro, all this kind of stuff. Dude, Chris Middleton in the next game took three shots in the last minute. That has never happened in a real game ever. Like they are actively trying to figure out the hierarchy of who takes shots at the end of the game with Drew Middleton be uh, Drew Middleton. With Drew Holiday being kind of this backstop just kind of all around do good things guy. It'd be really interesting to see Obviously there's a reason that this continuity has been disrupted and part of it unfortunately unfortunately is that everyone's kind of figured out the book on Giannis. And it's going to be even worse in the playoffs. But Giannis is in a little bit of a rut, but again, he's trying to be adaptable. And so everybody's trying to figure out where they stand. And all of a sudden, like, Chris Middleton, closer guy. Like, it's a thing. Everybody, it's a thing. Like, this is something that, like, real basketball players knew from fifth grade. Like, who gets the last shot? And it's, like, a coveted thing. And it's, like, an honor thing and all this kind of stuff. And, like, so Chris Middleton, who little game James, little game James, hid from every big game in his life, hid from Jimmy Butler, hid from DeMar DeRozan, was a better player than him. Like, him, like, go back and look at those series and write down the list and look at them retrospectively, because he was a really, he was a pretty good player in twenty fifteen before the hamstring or whatever year that was. He was a pretty good player. We we'll look back at those series now and be like, Well, Giannis was the best player in the Celtics series that we lost in seven. Giannis was the best player. Who was the second best player? Was it Chris? Well then why do we lose, right? Why do we lose in the first Raptor series? Why was DeMar DeRozan the best player in the Raptor series? right? If, if these guys have just been, so there's like leaps that have been taken, like every series that you look at, like, okay, if so if Kawhi was a little bit better than Giannis, why was Chris like our fourth best buck against the Raptors? Like right down the list, right? Uh, Jimmy Butler I played him last year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, but again, whatever, like I know people don't agree with this. They can just be wrong. Like this is the Chris Middleton who stopped shooting against the Magic, who like seems like he has confidence issues. He shot, three times in the last minute, he shot five times in the last 247, he shot seven times in the last 536, we can work with that, like, if he's gonna be take the shot guy, which is what he's here to do, he's here to shoot the ball, that's great, like, that's completely awesome, I'm totally for that, now, I have to say, like, this is a massive shift in strategy, now, of course, the downside of this is, like, in, again, in playoff basketball, there's still, like, there's just still a lot of regular season to his layups. He is a lot of regular season layups. And what I mean by that is, obviously, we know he's a below-the-rim player, but a lot of his layups that he's releasing in these kind of well-spaced games where nobody's really trying to stop him... Um is he's like releasing layups at net level, below the net level, and kind of little flips and like left-handed, like kind of flip shots and all this kind of stuff. These these are regular season plays. It doesn't really work in the in the postseason. What people figured out in the postseason, what Miami figured out after Game One, was like, oh, okay, this is the way you should guard him. Stand as close as possible to him. Uh, don't go for the rip move. If he drives by, you make him take consistent flip shots. He's gonna make one out of three of them, and that's how you play Chris Middleton. Like all that dribble through the leg stuff like nobody's falling for that that's like stuff that he does not to create for others but to try to get his shot off if he makes a 17 foot shoot um 17 foot shot the other defenses will just like that's the book on him right but again this is great (laughs) like i know people like uh, a lot of people are convinced oh this is a bit or all this kind of stuff like i lean into the bit but it's much better that's what he's here to do Do like I've been calling Giannis Shaq since before, literally everyone else before Shaq was calling him Shaq. I'm like, he's Shaq, where's Kobe? It's not Chris Middleton, but it'd be great to have a guy who knows it. He's he's here to shoot. He's here to shoot. Go ahead and shoot. And so the craziest thing for me in the world is after the Nets game, people are like, oh, he should have passed Giannis, or Giannis was the cutter, or all this kind of stuff. And it's like, dog, we've seen Chris Middleton pump fake, throw the ball away, like shoot after the clock went off. Like, every version of Chris Mettledon messing up with the game on the line in that corner play, which every little bit of criticism of that same kind of corner play is accurate. He got the shot off. He was like, this is my shot. He got the shot off, and he took it. Like, why am I defending that? It's the craziest thing in the world. Now, of course, he missed it. He always missed it, but at least he's calling for it now. At least that's his shot to take. That's, like, his role on the team. He barely gets it off, but that's his shot. It was sort of... Almost looked like it was close to going in, but again, back to the Tom Brady thing, like it, you know, you don't get credit for, this isn't horseshoes and hand grenades, right? But good shot, good look, he missed it. He missed the one in the Celtics the uh, uh, for opening night. it's a two game swing, but again, whatever, he never makes that shot, that's fine. Maybe, just like everything else, if he keeps taking it, he's going to make some of those. And no, I don't especially count the one the other night, but another good shot, another big shot, take the shot. Uh, that's kind of what we were seeing two years ago when he was part of the ensemble because again we knew that brogdon was going to take and make those shots so then he was able to crack off one or two shots in the last six minutes that's what the chris middleton shootout series of tweets was all about he wasn't doing this finally our dumb coach and our <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to call everybody dumb but our dumb team like they, they figured this out oh, so so the guy with with a skill should deploy his skill on command At the high leverage moments, interesting. That's really interesting. By the way, I mean we we make a lot of excuses for Giannis just because Giannis basically just started to learn how to play basketball relative to other players. Like how much continuity? That's the other thing. Like how much continuity does Chris now have? Is there any combination? Does Stephen Clay Stephen Clay probably has more um more years logged as as a duo. Like. Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo have been playing together forever, like seven years. Is this the eighth year? I think this is the eighth year. I'm glad that you guys figured this out a month ago because last playoffs, they didn't have this figured out. Like, they just, you know, again, Chris Middleton, a punch the clock, show up to see what happens kind of guy. But these are good developments. And we'll just have to see kind of what else this brings. But it's just nice. Again, it's really hard. And like Bledsoe's gone, so it's another guy. It's really hard rooting for like a really dumb team. Everybody makes mistakes. And everybody misses shots. But even if it's just kind of a force feed thing, I'd be super into Holiday or through Bud or whatever else just deciding no matter what, even if it's a dumb play, just let him keep shooting. He's going to make one and he get his confidence up. And he's a confidence player. He's a lack of confidence player. But good developments. And, of course, then, you know, the Lakers game right back down to earth. Chris was nothing in that game. But he's, again, a clear all-star this year and a, a cog. And so the hope is that we figure out what's ailing Giannis, We work some stuff out. Our shooters shoot. And we'll be really competitive in a series against the Nets that we lose. Um, and I'll just remind everybody who was calling for Bradley Beal for two years. But that's enough on that. Does does, does that answer the question? I hope that answers the question. January 21st, Nate Havner at Jump Far Forever asks, does this team have a leadership problem? Not sure who that locker room guy is. Well, we're hoping it's true, right? And I I really appreciate, there's better examples, of course, but kind of the, the Sam Cassell way he kind of weaves in and out of games. I mean, it's the best thing about, like, higher level like Chris Paul level guys is they'd kind of sit back and survey things and then might take four straight shots and I think a lot of people whatever he was three for whatever or four for 14 or whatever he was the other game that he uh kept you know kept shooting and kept just kind of having a flow for it a, a flow for the game uh, a flow for I, I'm sure he's telling Middleton to cook uh when he's on uh and between him and Portis at least we got some people who care I mean Portis um really dominating the PR game right now the, saying all the right things and saying he could have got more money elsewhere but this is about his chip on his shoulder all that kind of stuff like Bobby Portis is going to be a fan favorite pretty soon and so you know obviously we all still have our boot and holes or objections but you know I, I like a player's locker room anyway so I'm, I'm not sure who that guy is I mean look we, we can probably have a more cohesive locker room than the Nets right uh, back to that that kind of thing and just the Nets have all the talent but again it's early it's early right so we expect the team to work these things out as it goes but thanks for your question and again appreciate everybody who sent out questions again this is January 21st uh Limps MKE at it's just Chris now why is Giannis pressing so much he's got the two best teammates he's ever had Middleton's better than ever and Drew and yet he's playing like he has to do it all himself well it's a really kind of tricky thing I mean Of course, I agree with that. Um, He's pressing because he had this meteoric rise, and now he's come down to earth a little bit, and he's trying to figure out. Like, it's an easy thing relative to other things. And I don't care if this is a high school level, any level. Whoever the best player on the team has an easier road because everything runs through you, and you can kind of decide. You can pick your spots. And if you're going to get 20 shots or whatever it is, I mean, you can have bad stretches, good stretches, whatever else, he's pressing because, I don't think there's a question on this, I mean, again, <laughs> there's a big Thanasis thing, I mean, this ties in, I think we get a, a question a little bit later about Tory Craig, I'm starting to wonder if Thanasis is, like, way more bad than good, um, I don't have a fully coherent thought about this right now, what else is new right, but, like, Thanasis, so think of Thanasis, right? And yes, he hasn't been all bad this year. And yes, you know, it's kind of funny and everything like that. Thanasis is one of the dirtiest, uh, play with the dark side of the force, passion, aggression kind of guys I've ever seen. Dirty, like you remember like the world championship stuff, right? Like Giannis blocks people from behind. Well, Thanasis does it riding them like a rodeo, right? Thanasis does dirty stuff. Like we all will agree on, again, it's not necessarily dirty. He just doesn't care. He's like not above doing dirty stuff. So he's a dumb player relative to smart players. He's a dumb player. And so we all know that he's got Giannis here, their brothers and all the kind of stuff like that, but he's a dumb player. So like when Giannis does dumb stuff, when Giannis fouls some guard in the backcourt because he's mad that he didn't get a call on the previous possession, well, that's stupid. Well, it's the Nastus telling him that's stupid. No, that's the same stupid stuff the Nastus does, right? I know this isn't exactly your question, but um, look, man. We all would have done anything to see Giannis re-signed. Anything within reason. Everybody would have been fine for whatever negotiations. Like the, This was an existential crisis. We could not fail in the negotiations. And Pat Connington is Giannis' boy. Pat Connington was at that, that meeting dinner or whatever that was that they had, that summit that they had. Pat and Thanasis got the minutes. Is anybody really going to tell me that they think it's a coincidence that Giannis' brother and his homie on the team were playing? Right, and everybody backed off of Pat because Pat started making an unsustainable amount of three pointers. But even before that, I thought the criticism of Connaughton was a little bit overblown. He's just just an okay player. He's just an okay player, right? Um, But yeah, he's pressing because nobody's telling him he's stupid. Or if they're telling him he's stupid, he's not listening, right? Because it's easy to be the best player, and we'll just have to see like what it means going forward. I think though, I do think it's not nonsense his adaptability i do think he really tries but i think in a game he's just used to playing angry and it's like again the crowds the lack of the crowds don't help him because when you play with all this anger and passion and then you spin your your five thousand spin move and it works and you dunk and the crowd goes nuts like that fuels him and that's just not there anymore and everybody's going for his knees and flopping up underneath him and the whole thing but he again he didn't look right like the whole thing with the negotiation was weird where he didn't look right and he was giving weird answers before he re-signed. Like, something's up. But, you know, there's plenty of time. Um, He's pressing because he's a pressing kind of player, and they're really going to have to coach that out of him. And the question is, if they coach that out of him, what's left? Micah Roshki. I know Micah. Micah Roshki. Should Giannis keep shooting air balls? Is it helpful? It is not. It is not. Like, we're going through this whole thing... (sighs) You want to do the shot genie thing? Let's do 30 seconds on the shot genie thing. Giannis has humongous hands, and he's got to pop his shot. He's got to pop his shot. I was trying, like, if you think of think of Kawhi, if you're not old enough to remember how how Jordan shot, um, Kawhi holds the ball in those huge hands and spins it, right? There's not a lot of air, even from three-point range. There's not a lot of air. It's a line drive kind of shot. Um Jordan was similar. I'm trying to remember. Dr. J was before my time. I seem to think Dr. J had a little bit more of a arc to his shot. But like guys with big hands have to pop the ball. If, like, if, if your objective as a guy shooting with big hands is to aim at the heel of the rim and really pop the backspin, and if it hits the back of the heel, oh well. Same thing with the free throws. That's a 70% free throw motion doing what I just said. Him trying to feel it out and worrying, you know, worrying about tucking the elbow. And, Am I doing this? And sometimes it rolls off his finger. Because that's the only thing. let that's, that's it's kind of the the it's the Rashad Vaughn thing too, right? So Rashad Vaughn in the gym had this beautiful like arcing shot, right? This beautiful high arcing kind of shot. It was really kind of an attractive thing to see. And in a in a gym, in in pre-draft workouts and everything, once you get going with it with a shot like that, it's a really repeatable stroke. But, of course, in the NBA, you only get to shoot one shot at a time. And Rashad Bond never made the first one, right? Like, you have to feel it out. And that's kind of the thing about, like, like a real high-arcing high, high arcing shot. Like, you have to find your spot, right? And so the reason he keeps missing air balls short, I mean, like, obviously, he's missing them short. He's not missing them long. is because, like, his body's forward momentum on certain jumpers leads him to think, all right, well, it's just going to kind of roll off my hands. But, yeah, he looks ridiculous, he needs to grip the ball. <laughs> he needs to grip it and rip it at this point. And that's the short version of what I think about this. But yeah, he's shooting air balls because he's in his head, obviously. So the adjustment to that has to be, he doesn't have touch anyway. Even his layups don't really have touch. So it's like, to me, it's a failed experiment at this point. Uh, Jason Kidd and all those guys did their did their work. There's no time machine for that. He needs to grip the ball and spin it. Um, Brendan Olin, again, January 21st. How many Tory Craig tweets does it take before Bud plays him? Um, Tory Craig looks pretty good, right? Uh, I thought this was just kind of... I mean, I, want Tor- I wanted Tory Craig to play, but I thought this was a typical overreaction of, like, um... Bucks Twitter and everybody else just looking for the thing that wasn't done. Uh, but he looks like another winning player. And it gives us a little bit, uh, bit of flexibility in this question of whether he can... Kind of be a small ball for whether he can even close games if he's feeling it, or he certainly kind of would have been interesting to see him on LeBron. Right? Did he play the Lakers game? I don't think he did. Not a hundred percent on that, but again, that's kind of the whole idea. I mean, quiet as is it's kept, one of the things that about Wes. I mean, kind of those Clippers games, Lakers games, they could put him on the other best player, and and he'd really give kind of a high high energy twenty minutes on LeBron or Kawhi or whoever. So yeah um i just would be so fascinated and this goes back to the buck issue and kind of the thing that again a great episode if you haven't listened to that one check that one out but like it's interesting like i want to know i want to know about what what, like what's going on with bud now like i want to know was he cussed out in the off season where people just like like does he, does he still have power is he a beaten man that he's making these changes like why is he making these chases I, these changes i, I just really want to understand it right because now all of a sudden, like, I mean, yeah, now there's new squares, like, <laughs> there's new squares taped on the practice floor or whatever, but, like, all of a sudden, he's changed stuff, guy, and then, like, is he with it, or is he just, like, doing this at the at the point of a bayonet? Like, it's interesting to me, but, yeah, so far, Tory Craig, again, I just want to root for this team. We're not winning the title. Like, we're not. We're not coming out of the East, I don't think. So, let's have a bunch of winning players that we can root for, and we'll... Have a glorious second round loss. Ben Miller. Can you do a Usual Suspects too? Wow. I don't think so. For like at least two reasons. At least two reasons. Usual, and I had to think about that. But I uh, don't know if all those people are still making movies anymore. Ben Rauman. Why is at, uh Ben Rauman at Backseat GM Pod asks, Why is Thanasis? Uh... He's Giannis' brother, right? I mean, even whatever you want to believe about um, the Bogdanovic saga, also, like, the Nasus, whether that's, like, spin, either he's, like, to take a hit, like, because the whole thing with Bogdanovich saying, well, it's, like, um, really, you know, Thanos is more my my friend. Well, either way it goes, like, he's clearly some kind of organizational go-between, like, he's a go-between between the front office and Giannis. He's, he's, he's a mover and a shaker is what... Like, that's my guess. I don't know. But, I mean, again, the guy did a lot of stuff for the team. And, again, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's – I think they just said, hey, give my brother a shot. Like, who was – ultimately, like Giannis Mama said, it, stay in Milwaukee, right? Like, that's at least some some bit of it. I don't know if that's 1% or 50%, but his mom said, yeah, stay in Milwaukee. Do we do we think Thanasis being on the team hurt that? Well, of course not, right? So that's why it's Thanasis. To me, again, I'm just guessing. Then we got some January 24th questions here. Um, so we did get some... This was kind of post the NFC Championship game. So some kind of cross Packers questions. Daz at Ewing and Oz. Is Oz Australia? Daz, Ewing and Oz? Is it... Auckland or something like that. I don't know what I'm talking about with that. Is um, Australia currently the number two country as far as listens? So, you know, step your game up, Greece. But anyway, Daz asks or says, really, it's just a statement. I'm not even a diehard fan anymore, and that game has nearly brought me to tears. I am out of questions. Dude, don't let the Packers hurt you. This, this is what the Packers are. Like, I hope you enjoyed the season. Like, I was way I just I got too worked up like I'm pretty even keel I got way too worked up about the Packers throughout the years and I I don't do that anymore but but I certainly empathize with you I certainly understand how you feel and I just knew the Packers weren't going to the Super Bowl <laughs> Nate Nate Havner jump far forever why do we watch sports um to pass the time really I mean Sports are great. Sports are great in their proper place. Um, but they're going to hurt you a million times more than you get validated by it. So when you get validated by winning, it's, it's pretty awesome. Especially if you're wearing the legacy colors of a great franchise like the Green Bay Packers who look the exact same way um, since basically the 50s. Um, that's kind of a cool thing too. Josh, col jelly. Dude, tell me if, if... I don't know if this is Italian or not. Tell me if this is deeply offensive. Josh, col jelly. Which franchise's fan base will thirst after Rodgers with Photoshop's... I read that bad. Which franchise's fan base will thirst after Rodgers with Photoshop's the way the Heat fans thirsted after Giannis these next few months where you asked that on the 24th, but as we found out, all of them, right? I mean, that's kind of what's out there. Um... I think I am going to do Lebatar Clip of the Week. If I have time tonight, I'm going to do Levitard Clip of the Week. Levitar, it's gushing. It's just ridiculous gushing about Rodgers, and he should leave. He de- he deserves to leave, Stugatz. They organizationally have failed that man. They failed that man. They've done everything wrong, and from the top bottom, Devontae Adams, I was wrong about him. But you see, you see, Stugatz. He did, and he did this whole thing, this whole thing about all just whining and whining and whining. So every team, right? everything that doesn't have a quarterback they're like well we Rodgers go there um it'll be interesting to see i I'd, I'd like to think the honest thing was a turning point in just the way that the media understands um how offensive that was to fans in general but i mean like um not just bucks fans i mean pelicans fans with davis like all these things like if the guys going to do what they're going to do or going to, you know, use their free agency or use their pre-agency or all this kind of stuff or go for the most money and, like, we can't stop and whatever else. But, like, you can be kind about the way it's covered. You don't need Max Kellerman on the Christmas Day game saying he should leave as, like, their A block on the pregame, right? Like, that's that's deeply offensive and unnecessary. And so I think I think probably the corner has been turned on that part of things. And we don't want to be hypocrites either, because here's the thing, right? Like, if all of a sudden Dame Lillard wants out, like, are Bucks fans going to be any better about this kind of stuff after we fail this year? And people realize that they're still much better, like, supporting cast members than Drew and Chris. I, are, are we going to be insufferable to to whatever other free agents? Probably, right? I mean, again, you everybody knows I've been calling for Bradley Beal since before it was cool, but... You know, you got to be fair about it. Ham boned at Fake John Ham on January 24th, did Chris Middleton make Matt LaFleur kick the field goal? Yes, very perceptive of you. I think that's that's a really good theory. And a matter of fact, the next episode will be entirely about Chris Middleton whispering in Matt LaFleur's ear. Um I got a guest coming up. I think we might do like a Super Bowl preview. Maybe I already mentioned this um does anybody really think the Packers were going to convert on fourth and eight or is it just morning? Cause I, I, I do understand the logic, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, did you think that was going to work or was it just cause they didn't do it? It was something to latch onto kind of like the penalty. I don't know. I don't know. Just, just a question, but yeah, let's bring again. I think it probably was Chris, you know, turtles, turtles of a feather stick together. Kyle Carr at Kyle Coche. Who do I trust more in the playoffs, Chris Middleton or Mike Pettin? Um, well, neither of them have made the championship round, right? Is that one one way of saying it? Um, but again, we're gonna be pro Chris for a little bit. Um, everybody who listens to this, well, uh, like I, I, I think I. Try to articulate these points pretty well. Or as well as I can. You may think it's nonsense. And anybody who wants to come on. Like. Because there's a thing too. Like Bucks Film Room is going to come on at some point. Uh, I think he wants to yell at me about this. Like. I'll take any challenges. Anybody who wants to argue this. Like it's fine. It's fine. Um, but again. This version of Chris. Great. It's great. It is a crazy thing too. To consider. Um, again. I, I wasn't part of the Christian Woodlands. It is crazy to think that we gave up two All-Stars. <laughs> right it is it's really a, a crazy thing to think that because brogdon's going to be an all-star i would think and was at that level and again with those you want to go back and listen to the ty windish episode i said chris middleton is a guy who's a smidge better than malcolm brogdon and look at look at our two boys it almost makes 2018 2019 make a lot of sense in retrospect right and christian wood can even get burned we got a lot of guys i don't know his christian wood I, don't, I haven't looked at his numbers lately maybe he's fallen off a cliff but there's, there's a lot of talent on that team. There's a lot of talent on that team. And, um, you know, that was our window, right? We can all agree. In retrospect, that was our window, right? So Chris Middleton, you owe me a ring for 2018, 2019. We just just kind of went not feeling it. Just just kind of took some time to work through some stuff. Quarantine Matt at M-Bomb. meta bomb meta bomb M-Bomb 807. Our sports pain. Yeah, mostly. Mostly. That's that's pretty accurate. And that looks like, I think that's, I don't think I missed any. That's the mailbag. Thanks, everybody, for submitting your questions. I appreciate that. Go ahead and send some questions. If you send a question, generally, if they're not about, like, Kevin Spacey questions like 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 Ben Miller, like, well, yeah, I, I'll read the questions. It's better than actually, like, outlining stuff to say. So thanks for that. Strawman. <laughs> okay so the levitard clip of the week 2014 lebron goes back to the Cavs. um i picked this one because this is a light uh kind of a nice mix of a bunch of different factors that made the show so successful um the thing that i like least about levitard through the years a couple of things but the thing i like least about dan is his kind of gushing kind of jock sniffery kind of kind of ways about some things and so his heel turn when LeBron left Miami um, was fun. It was the really fun couple of months of, of shows where LeBron spurns Miami. They were saying it was nonsense for years, I think. I want to say Kevin Arnavis came on the show maybe 18 months before LeBron left and said, you know, I, I keep hearing this is a real possibility. Somebody broke it, and they were like, yeah, right. And Bomani was on the show, and he was like, you know, in typical bomani fashion said something like you're gonna have to explain to me you know even like like the wife's not gonna let him leave all this kind of stuff right because that was the assumption of bomani was living in miami then too um but the thing to notice about this clip is it's first of all the entire kind of uh, much of the kind of uh, big kind of main hitters of the cast are there greg cody's there obviously stu gotts is there Um, really good utilization of the the number one kind of asset of the show, which is the Stugatz fake laugh. Um, just, just made everything great, made everything funny. Like there's a dead spot when they go into the Poppy bit of it and Stugatz just rounds it off with the fake laugh. It's just great. It's a funny kind of thing. And a lot of people don't know that well before Poppy, before they did Highly Questionable and made him a kind of a TV star for a while, that Lebetard would just call his dad just call his dad on the air and just talk to him and that's kind of how um even later when they like a month ago a couple months ago when the the show ended they did the, you know he was supposed to be from Iowa and it was a joke kind of bit which i think some people bought for a while i know but some of my some of my detroit friends were confused about that but but poppy was a, we knew poppy was a completely authentic character cuz he had been sh- uh he had been calling him on the show before they made him do bits and made him do kind of rap songs on on the breaks on commercials which to me isn't really funny and was never really funny. Oh look this old man is rapping Ice Cube kind of stuff. Uh but the poppy character this is one of the better utilizations of the poppy character. Uh, Just ripping LeBron and just kind of um, being petulant, angry old man sports fan. So anyway, here it is, the Levitard Show clip of the week.
2: (laughs) All of a sudden, everyone's going to be selling coming home, coming home. And everyone in America is going to be celebrating that narrative except for Miami. So – What we're going to play for you now is just some audio from that commercial, but keep in mind, this is LeBron walking through Akron, going back to his high school, Mm. and he is backed by actual angels singing, uh, <laughs> Actual Angel singing about his return. What does it say at the end? 2014? The. Uh, Re-established. LeBron- Reestablished. 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 Yeah. 2014. Reestablished. 2014. Saw it last night during Monday Night Football and it made me want to puke. It's a very good commercial. It's an made ex- Lawrence Timmons puke. That's yeah. what he saw. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Made, yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Timmons So the puke. Steelers linebacker puked during the game and that wasn't because he was tired. It's <laughs> because he was thinking about the LeBron. On James commercial. That's interesting. Yeah. Alright, so here is the commercial, Cody. Akron is home.
0: This is the city that raised you. City you love. I'm so proud of you. Welcome home, son.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Don't ever forget where you came from. Oh. Amen. Amen. I hate that it's so good. I heard my father back there doing something earlier today, so, uh, does it have anything to do with this? Akron is awful. (laughs) That is the city that betray you. (laughs) I'm so disappointed in you. (laughs) That place is a dump. (laughs) Don't ever forget you were afraid to post up JJ Barrea. Is that it? i got oh, to listen great. to that for the next four <laughs> hours. Yeah. We need more lines for Poppy. We need more <laughs> lines <for him. laughs> Don't ever forget. Very obscure <laughs> reference. I feel like not a lot of people know what you're talking about there. That was brilliant. I mean, oh, the original
3: man. just begs a parody, right? The original is so over the top that it just begs somebody to make fun of him, and uh, Poppy did it. Oh, man. Good for him.
0: So I'm headed to work. Uh, it was a Friday morning, I think. I think I seem to remember where I was, and I get to work, and I uh, check my DMs, and there's a DM from somebody who remained nameless, who was like, "Yo, you made lockdown bucks," um, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. I'll check it out, right?" And now, you know what I think it was? I think the person said, um, uh, "Frank Madden is talking about you on lockdown bucks," right? <laughs> and so no joke, I'm like, "Oh, okay, bet this is cool." Like uh frank was on the podcast recently i was on lockdown books um talking about uniforms uh recently also about um about the blue jersey reveal and i'm like okay bet so i'm listening to the whole episode and again i'm thinking yeah this is gonna be a great little um i'm just i'm just waiting for what great thing either kane or frank is going to say about me one way or the other right one way or the other so the episode kind of goes and it's getting kind of long and i'm listening while i'm working you know and i'm like well you know there's not that much time left what's going on and then um and then frank starts talking about it. he went back home and and he's uh talking about rocky rococos and i'm I'm like oh okay so here it is and it's like he's, he's, and he's probably gonna say something like and me going to Rocky Rococo's when I was back home uh, made me think of this great question as part of the rapid fire segment on Tetonia World Presents. And by the way, check out um, David Nunn's podcast. It's um, uh, pretty great. And it, by the way, everybody knows him. That's that's my guy. Everybody knows that show. Like literally, that's what I thought I was going to be. Right. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I was <laughs> wrong. I was. And so I'm going to play the clip be quite clear right nobody's nobody here as much as this is the podcast that speaks truth to power like nobody here is going to say a single bad thing about frank matt like i'm not going to do that i love frank matt um um what's the point what he represents right and even i think uh when i was talking about um adam robert paris um earlier in the episode or any of these guys right like the thing is when I started making videos and I started making kind of Bucks videos, recap videos, is like sort of a pseudo-documentarian. I was always pretty cognizant of the idea that I, I'm using clips of people saying stuff, so I didn't want to use anything that was embarrassing, right? Which is why, again, when Adam Robert Paris said that, "Wow, Chris is drunk," like I'm, I, I told him, "Well, I'm not going to use that because." you might regret that or if anything if you care like you don't want to be have that be the one thing that you say right so i'm always cognizant that if people ask me hey don't use this this is our ip or whatever like i would do it right just because just because it's the thing to do because that's what i would want done for me right so that so i'm gonna play this clip and obviously i'm gonna rebut the rebuttal but like nobody's trying to turn you against frank madden he's just wrong about this and it's fine right like we're not talking about the salary cap now. You're in my world now. So here here's the clip. Again, at Firebird Forum, I think
1: they're undefeated in the blue jerseys so far, which is which is kind of interesting. We'll keep we'll keep track of that through the season. Uh, we'll be
3: back. By too. the way, I'm I'm for the record, I'm not a fan of the blue jerseys. <laughs> I, I still get confused. I still get confused when at the, when the games start. I still get confused that the Bucks are the team in blue. M- mentally, it takes me. A few possessions for my team to, for my brain to sort of orient that the Bucks are actually wearing a blue jersey. I, I don't mind the Bucks are wearing a blue jersey. I don't. The thing I don't really like about it, I don't like the, the little. I know. I know the whole idea is that it's like water and the waves, and you know that that um, curved line, you know, dividing the, the 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 different blues. I don't know. I just I don't love it. The players look fine in them. Uh, if. I, I don't, I don't buy jerseys. I, if I were going to buy a jersey, I definitely wouldn't buy that one. But, uh, I respect the attempt to make a blue jersey at least. Uh, so it, it is what it is. Not a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to you, uh, than, than many as far as not getting bent out of shape about jerseys. But I figure I don't think I'd offer, offered my opinion on the blue jersey. So, uh, yeah, don't love them. Uh, I guess we'll see, uh, hopefully they keep winning in them though. In them though. I'm, I'm happy with them to be winning in the blue jerseys, but uh, I'm still partial to the to the to the normal home whites and and road greens.
1: Well, that blue jersey rant came in at about 43 minutes shorter than uh, David Dunn's <laughs> podcast about a month ago or whenever that was. So uh, much can respect I, can for I ever,
3: that. I, well, let, <laughs> let me let me respond to that because I I sort of uh flamed flamed him uh, with a tweet uh, <laughs> sort of complaining about about his his uh, his complaints. Um, so here's here's my general thing on, on jerseys. You know, part of his thing was was well, the Bucks don't have the Bucks don't have like an identity or something like when people people don't know what the Bucks jerseys color is supposed to be. I first off, I don't I don't believe that that do do real NBA fans not associate the Bucks with green. I I I realize they wore purple for you know a, a long period in the '90s, right? That was my bread and butter as a kid growing up with the Bucks, but. I, th- I think the Bucks have a pretty strong association with the color green. And and again, green and cream. Do people associate the cream specifically with them? I don't know. Hardcore but hardcore NBA fans probably do. Random people probably don't. But look, they have a good color their their base color scheme I think is really good. I think people generally really like it. And, you know, uh Ben, aka David Dunn, aka Elijah Price, just because he doesn't like a color like like it doesn't mean that that is a more valid opinion than I think the majority of Bucks fans liking, I believe the green colors. Now, again, I actually tend to agree with them on on the actual blue jerseys in the sense that I don't really, I don't like them myself per se. Uh, who knows? I, I don't, I think, I don't know how much they're going to sell these. And ultimately I think that's obviously a lot of this was comes down to is, Hey, it's a new thing. Can they get Jersey sales, make some money off it, especially right now with, <laughs> with revenues from game day being non-existent and the other thing too is like if every team is wearing these pretty much every team is wearing colors that are not their primary jersey colors that's the whole point of these city edition and the earned editions that that may or may not be coming out this year the the whole point of these jerseys is that they don't look like your your normal jerseys you know and so again you know the i don't i actually don't really like the, the whole miami the, the vice edition jerseys that, that they've done the different versions of i actually don't really like those everybody else seems to love them does is it horribly bankrupting the brand of the of the miami heat that they have a, a pink jersey when pink is not in their normal color scheme or something no cuz people like the colors people like the look it's fine right it doesn't like you don't have to wear the same colors all the time uh, and that's what the NBA is doing. They're just giving you different options, weird colors. And I think part of the reason I don't care is because as a fan of European soccer, I'm just used to every year that teams change their jerseys so they can sell more jerseys. And usually you have, you know, your main colors that you have one, at least one Jersey of that's the same every year. And then you have some random colors that you try out and you do different things to be interesting and do some different stuff and just to sell. Cause who knows? Hey, maybe some people like, you know, like, like I'm a big Barcelona fan. Okay, this year they have a pink jersey. Is pink a Barcelona color? No, but maybe some people like a pink jersey, right? <laughs> the people buying Miami Heat Vice jerseys might like that too, right? Well, okay, and then the next year it might be orange, okay? And the next year it might be something else. So whatever, they're just jerseys. It's just capitalism. It's just trying to sell stuff, appeal to different people and get them to buy a new thing every year. And I think that's totally fine to be honest. It's, it's, it's all good. Um, And if you don't like them, what are you going to do? Not watch the bucks because you don't love their alternate jerseys? Like, no, that doesn't, (laughs) you're still going to watch. You may not buy the jersey, but uh, it doesn't mean you can't watch. So anyway, I, I, uh, that, that, that's, I, I I don't know. I, I, I think I might've had some other uh, points to, to sort of rebut uh, uh, his, his views on things, but you know, uh, again for me i think the bucks have a good base color scheme i think they've had some some of their alternate jerseys i think have been pretty good uh but especially the alternate jerseys to me those are just you know you're just trying to throw different things see if people like them sell some sell, sell more jerseys every year and then come out with some different looks and whatever so i don't love the blue jerseys but it doesn't really matter it's fine
1: I don't have a response. I do not care enough to have a response, but that all makes sense to me. Uh, whatever color they're wearing, they're four and three, regardless of whatever color they've worn <laughs> so far this season. And that's all that really matters to me. Uh, like I said, Pistons again in a couple of days.
0: So again, that's the clip. Um, I don't know. I felt like they went a little hard on me there, uh, especially, especially considering I'm right. Right. But again, I'm always shocked about how many people and like I get it if you don't want to watch a 15 minute video or a 45 minute series about uniforms like this is all covered in the video in the video series. So if you look up Milwaukee Bucks, The Theory of Everything, Volumes 1, 2 and 3 and then 5 and or 4 and 5 with Adam McGee and Jordan Tresky are also um, quite good. good but out all the stuff I did that's probably some of the things I'm a little I'm I'm very proud of but let's talk about what Frank said because it's fair right and again any of this stuff you can feel however you want to about this but I was thinking about this because there's actually I'd like to thank Frank Madden because there's a sliver of this that I I don't think I've ever really discussed or thought about he says that the bucks are associated with green and I also take that for granted why why, why do we think the Bucks are associated with green in the in the idea of the common individual? And I don't mean like the 18 to 35 demo, but older, younger. Why, why would the Bucks be associated with green? The Bucks have one green jersey since 2015 or whenever they did the rebrand. The Bucks have worn multiple black jerseys, and that's not even counting the Adidas. That, like to mention the Adidas Nike thing is a cheat. The Bucks have had the huge deer head jersey, the black jersey that they wore all the time, they wore all the time in the playoffs, and they've had the stripy black jerseys. That's two black jerseys that the Bucks have worn, and of those uh, black jerseys, neither of them are particularly green. The Bucks have had two different cream jerseys. Again, the stripy one, the same template, but that's not my fault that they keep reusing stuff. And um, the cream city, right? So, just to count, that's two cream jerseys, two black jerseys, the black jerseys, even the playoffs they wear all the time. That single white and the single green, which are pretty good, very good jerseys, except again, they have the needless, needless blue block and the unbalanced rainbow. Mixing white next to cream, you know, all this stuff. If nothing else, I hope that that, that your stomach is turned like mine every time a Bucks player goes for a shot and there's a block of blue, which is the only blue on those jerseys, just for no reason at all. It's just terrible design. Um, So backwards from there, you remember... The shiny green jerseys, and then the jerseys that weren't shiny, but they're basically the same. There's very slight modifications in the font. That's one green jersey for the entire kind of, you know, Bogut era, right? One look. So that's still one green jersey, and of course, those were red and green bucks then. And we didn't like those jerseys. I didn't like those jerseys either, but that's what we had. That's one jersey. Going backwards, now we have the purple jerseys, which we wore top of my head from like 93 92 93 to 2006 or whenever the change was um the green jersey was only alternate and of course that's the big purple deer head so that wasn't really visually that green but that entire time one green jersey so we're going back to 1993 and that's basically three different green jerseys going backwards from there the Moncrief todd day or todd day why would i say well todd day was (laughs) you could get the todd day rookie jersey uh when todd day was a rookie that's probably why i mentioned todd day Um, the Irish Rainbow, 80s, one green set, right, so why exactly do you think we're associated with green, now the Boston Celtics, of course, we do associate them with green, because again, all their alternates and all their city jerseys are still green and white, and even when they do the kiss me, I'm Irish kind of stuff, where it's a different color green, the Boston Celtics are the green team in the NBA, because they wear green, it's not the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves do all kinds of other things, it's not the Jazz, the Jazz do every color, so I, but it's quite interesting, like, I hadn't really thought about that. No, we don't have a ton of green jerseys. We should have multiple alternate green jerseys. That'd be kind of cool. And that would mitigate the other things. But, you know, Dustin Gotzi and all those guys in the ownership don't think we're a green team because we don't wear green. I don't think I've ever said that or thought about that before. But So, thanks. Um, we were watching, we um, this past weekend, uh, watched Al- Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And really kind of interesting movie. I watched it growing up. It didn't get any better or worse. I think the, the kind of the interesting thing as an adult is the they kind of hole up in his diner and it's kind of like almost like written like a play where like one guy's at the bar is like it's the end of the world and the lady's like you're scaring the children and another guy's like all right, dame let's go and it's kind of like a, like a peanut gallery scene and some I forget exactly when um, Jessica Tandy's in the I, I didn't know that that was Jessica Tandy from like Driving Miss Daisy I think Jessica Tandy's in the movie. At a certain point, she goes and finds that the birds... Because the birds are just killing everybody. It, basically, it's Jaws with birds. And um, and it's a big open field, and the lady's going to visit, the, I guess, the, the person who makes the bird feed or whatever. And it's a tractor. And I say to my son, oh, that's a John Deere tractor. And he's like, how do you know? And I'm like, because it's green and yellow. And then the next scene, you can clearly see that it says John Deere, And the birds are made in 1950 or whenever, 40s, 50s, I don't think the 60s, whenever the birds was made. And it's a big old John Deere tractor that looks exactly the same. And that's the brand synergy and enduring brand legacy that you get when you keep your colors. People know what a John Deere tractor looks like through the years. And even, I mean, the NFL does this the best, right? Uh, The Browns screwed up their look and just kind of brought it back in time. But I think a lot of Packers fans were hoping for kind of a redo of Super Bowl I, Packers-Chiefs. If that would have happened, the Packers and the Chiefs would have looked exactly like they looked in Super Bowl I with just the differences in helmet technology and such, and that's like a really cool thing for your brand. And from the outside looking in, we don't really remember that the Chiefs, you know, haven't been too good some of those times, and they were good in the Derek Thomas kind of era and the Schottenheimer kind of era, and then they fell off and... It doesn't matter. They're the Chiefs. When they're back, we're like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs. And you know all this, and I've talked about this a million times. So my question for Frank Madden, should the Packers wear pink? If you're so cool with it, should the Packers wear pink? Because I don't really think you think the Packers should wear pink. I mean, I understand this is a soccer thing. Oh, that's not how things are done here. And I'll just say that. And again, for all this to be said in an episode where you don't actually like, like, you just like started out by saying, I don't like the blue jerseys. And I'm like, okay, great. So you don't like the blue jerseys. So what are we talking about? But again, I very much appreciated uh, my appearance on Locked on Bucks. I, I had a ball just talking until they told me to shut up. And I'd like to thank both Frank Madden and Kane Pittman for coming on this show. If you like to track down those episodes, that was fun. But yeah, um. I welcome opposing opinions I just don't see it in this so anyway that's probably a good spot to stop if we get around uh, if we get around to doing a Super Bowl preview episode I'm just mixing I, I, I don't think this is ever gonna be a football pod but just to mix in a little bit of it I totally get if you're feeling a little emotionally vulnerable right now and you don't want to talk about the Packers and you certainly don't want to hear me say at this kind of week that all you guys were nuts for ever comparing Rodgers to Brady. That's kind of just nuts, but whatever. Like, so I don't want to dwell on that too much, but got a lot of, like, I'm still, um, kind of burning through all these concept episodes that we were planning, like in, in the fall, like in the Bucks ball episode, I haven't really talked about it. The Bucks ball episode, I could have just went another two hours getting stories from those guys. And those guys came like prepared with great stories and great anecdotes. And if you notice on that episode, like the second half, I just decided to try to shut up and try to get out of the way because just everything they were saying was gold. I normally try to steer the conversation a little bit, but it was great. Thank you, everybody, for continuing to support the show. I appreciate it very much. We'll see you pretty soon. And go Bucks.